0: Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's August 31st and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Voting documents will soon be sent out, inviting enrolled New Zealanders to cast their votes in the local elections. While this is meant to be an important part of the democratic process, participation in local elections has been woeful in recent decades, sitting at around 42%. But this time, the stakes are higher, Numerous councils are in disarray and conspiracy theorists are encouraging their supporters to run for office. So will this be enough to encourage New Zealanders to head to the polls? And what price will we pay for a lack of participation? Today I'm joined by Wellington Issues reporter and host of the On The Tiles Local Edition podcast, Georgina Campbell, to discuss the battles shaping up in New Zealand's local politics. Georgina, for the uninformed out there, can you firstly give us a brief explanation of what people are able to vote for in the coming weeks?
1: Yeah, so you can vote for the Mayor and the councillors who you want to represent you. Now, it's important to note that while the Mayor is powerful, they still only have one vote around the table. So I would really encourage voters to look for candidates who know how to work with people so they can actually build a working majority for the policies that they want to push through. For councillors, you can vote for people at both a regional level and a district council level. And at the regional council, it's the councillors who vote in a chairperson after the elections.
0: Now, there's no set voting day for local elections. So when does this all kick off?
1: There's not. And I actually think this is a real shame. Voting in local party elections is a little bit archaic, but election hoardings have gone up in Wellington over the weekend. So it really kicks off from now. And I know this is super nerdy, but I was out walking with my friends on Sunday and I got such a buzz seeing all the hoardings up. They had a really good laugh at me actually for being super excited. But anyway, look, you should have already enrolled to vote by now. If you 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 haven't, it's okay. You can still cast a special vote. So in a couple of weeks, people will get their voting papers in the mail. So people need to fill them out and post them off or drop them off at voting hubs in their communities. And you really need to do this well before Saturday, the 8th of October, when voting closes. Now, as I said, if you're not organised, I'm not a very organised person, no problem. Have a look online, see where you can cast a special vote. You can literally just show up and they will sort you out.
0: Georgina, okay. so let's start with your hometown of Wellington. And when you were walking down the street, looking at all the placards, who were the biggest candidates and how close is the race looking?
1: In Wellington, it's very much a three-horse race, and I think it's going to be tight. We've got former Green Party Chief of Staff Tory Farno, incumbent Mayor Andy Foster, and Labour Rongotai MP Paul Eagle. And I think everybody will be familiar with Andy's less than ideal first term in the top job. Obviously, there's been an undercurrent of issues for an extended period of time. You've all canvassed those for a long time, but you know as well as I do that it hasn't been a particularly easy road to hoe, and we have to get this group of 15 people working together in a better way than we have been
0: working in the past.
1: So I really think the Mural race is wide open here.
0: Do you think that Andy has a possibility to win the race, or do you think that Wellington's going to choose someone else?
1: I wouldn't underestimate any of them, including Andy Foster, simply because he has been around the council table for three decades. So he has really strong name recognition. And while Wellington City Council has got this reputation for being dysfunctional this term, some people might sympathise with Andy Foster and that it's not his fault and it's the councillors who he's been lugged in with. So I wouldn't count Andy Foster out just because he's had a rough ride.
0: While Wellington might hold on to its mayor, Auckland is set to lose its mayor with Phil Goff stepping down. So how is that race shaping up?
1: Yeah, so Auckland is going to be getting fresh leadership, whatever the outcome. So the key candidates in the City of Sales include Labour-endorsed candidate Afiso Collins, businessman Wayne Brown, heart of the city chief executive Viv Beck, and independent media operator Craig Lord. And of course, there was a bit of drama in Auckland when Leo Malloy bowed out of the race.
0: I can at times be a little bit obnoxious and a little bit out there, a bit edgy. But I think we have a reasonably good recognition base now. We've got 30,000 followers, I think we've got 11,500 phone numbers or something of supporters. It's like a small army. 2025, the city might be ready for someone like me who's arguably more of a charismatic type.
1: And this was after a Ratepayers Alliance Courier poll came out revealing he had dropped dramatically in support to 14.5%. That was down from 23% just a month prior. So I think it will be really interesting to see where the next poll places these candidates now that Malloy isn't in the game.
0: Georgina Christchurch also needs a new mayor as Leanne Delzell is stepping down. What's the race like down south?
1: Christchurch's mural race is being called a head-to-head battle, so I think that will be quite exciting. So you've got Councillor Phil Major and former Canterbury District Health Board Chief Executive David Meats. They've both thrown their hats in the ring. Now Major, a successful businessman who before joining the council two years ago led Majors contracting, he says he will bring a sensible and practical approach to the city council and he says he's got a reputation for getting stuff done. Meets was part of one of the largest building programs ever undertaken in health following the earthquakes down in Canterbury. He says he brings extensive experience in both public and private sector leadership.
0: Most of the attention in local elections is normally focused on the big metro cities, but there are also some interesting battles in the smaller cities of New Zealand. So what do you keep an eye on at the moment, George?
1: Yes, there are lots of great mural races to watch right across the country. One that I'm really looking forward to is in Vicargo. I think that's going to be a real cracker with broadcaster Marcus Lush going up against Tim Shadbolt. In Northland, there's also set to be sweeping change. All three mayors there are actually stepping down. And then, in the likes of Nelson, you've got longtime former national MP Nick Smith eyeing the mayoralty. So I'm sure that one will be entertaining too.
0: I've always loved that work that goes in representing a local community. We've got the mayor, the deputy mayor, and another five councillors retiring. We've got the chief executive and the other senior managers going. All of the feedback I've had is that our council does have some quite deep-seated problems. Now, it appears that not everyone is as big a nerd when it comes to local elections as what you are, George. So local election turnout has generally been quite poor. What are the stats from 2019 in terms of voter turnout?
1: This is really depressing. It's absolutely appalling, actually. In 2019, voter turnout was just 42.2%. Let me make the case for local government, if you will indulge me. Look, the council makes decisions which affect your everyday life. The things that you often forget about, even maybe take for granted until something goes wrong. So think about the bus network, rubbish and recycling, the maintenance of local roads, the water that you drink from the tap, the cost of parking in town, library opening hours, swimming pools. Look, the effect of council decision making on any of these services is really swift and immediate, especially in comparison to decisions that come from the beehive, which seem to take an age to sort of trickle down through layers of bureaucracy. And I think people quite often share a closer and more personal relationship with, say, the ward councillors and their local MPs who are in Wellington half the time, you know, when Parliament's sitting. The other thing is that, you know, council buildings are at the heart of communities and they sort of feel like a more direct line to decision making than parliament, which for most people in New Zealand is actually hundreds of kilometres away. It's not like me and Wellington who walks past it on the way to work. So I think the intimacy of local government is its charm. And I just think people should really value that and want to be interested in it.
0: One thing that does seem to be dominating the races this year is the lack of a strong candidate. We don't have a race as heated as, say, John Banks versus Len Brown here in Auckland. Do you think that the lack of prominent candidates is part of the reason why voter turnout is so low in local elections?
1: Look, just because a mural race isn't sexy doesn't mean people shouldn't care. Local government is currently steering down a strong centralisation agenda from central government. It makes me sad, actually, that local politics has, in many cases, been reduced to big names who can make promises about the lowest rates increase, for example. So... I would just really encourage people to think beyond whether or not there's a big name and dig deeper, look at the policies, figure out what they care about and then tell candidates about it.
0: Do you think it could help if the major political parties in New Zealand, say Labour and National Act, actually backed certain candidates and gave voters a brand to vote for rather than a person that they don't necessarily know?
1: It's a very interesting debate because in Wellington, we do have major parties like Labour and the Greens backing candidates. So the ward councillors are running on a party ticket and both those parties have then endorsed a mural candidate. And some people make the argument that that's really helpful because at least when people are voting, if they see a Labour candidate, they sort of already have an idea about the values and type of policies that that candidate will be standing for but also in Wellington we've had a lot of criticism that party politics don't belong in local government so I sort of feel a bit conflicted about that one but I definitely acknowledge the argument that at least it does help people understand sort of the core values of a candidate if they're backed by a party nominations for council seats across the country are coming up short. Now that's particularly concerning as it leaves the door open for nominees associated with misinformation and disinformation circles. They've recognised the gaps and are hoping to take advantage of the lack of nominees.
0: Local races do sometimes attract people with slightly questionable motivations and niche interests they want to push through. But this year, we're seeing multiple races being infiltrated by anti-vax, anti-mandate, anti-government candidates threatening to make Aotearoa ungovernable. So how real is this threat, George? Should we be worried?
1: It's certainly an issue that needs to be taken seriously and I've seen some really good work from journalists around the country identifying who these people are. But I am a bit sceptical as to just how much of a threat they really are in terms of their ability to actually be elected. As I said, the reality is, is that name recognition really is everything in local government If some of them do get on, there's still only one vote around the council table. I guess the other thing that journalists have to grapple with is, you know, when we write stories about these candidates to try and give voters as much information as possible about who they're voting for and what they stand for, we're also giving them more profile and more name recognition.
0: I suppose that balancing act is even trickier, given that many of these candidates have also been told to keep their affiliation secret are we at risk of unwittingly nominating questionable candidates and how can we prevent making decisions that perhaps aren't the best for our communities?
1: Yeah, and this has been a problem for many years. You know, I remember one of my friends saying to me in the last local body elections when we voted for DHB members, you know, oh, can you just tell me who is an anti vax I just don't want to vote for an an anti-vaxxer. I just encourage people to do your homework, which is what everybody should be doing anyway. Read up on local media reports about candidates, send them an email, ask them outright what their affiliations are, you know, confront them about that. I would also be extra cautious about people who have just sort of randomly popped up in a community and don't have much of a history there, or when you Google them, there are sort of no links to previous community work.
0: Turanga might be the most notable and extreme example of a dysfunctional council, but you've also seen something similar play out in the Wellington City Council over the last three years. What has the level of dysfunction been there and how has it affected the city?
1: Yes, essentially we have had a mayor, Andy Foster, who has not commanded a majority around the table and the council has certainly been described as dysfunctional but I think a more accurate characterisation would be to say that the council has been controlled by a left-leaning majority that has not been led by the mayor. So work is still being done by the council. The reality of this though is that Wellingtonians have had a front row seat essentially, to the sausage being made. So when council meetings start, No one knows which way it's going to go. There's fiery debate. These meetings last for hours and hours and hours, sometimes into the night, whereas usually the mayor often would have sort of wrangled a majority for their plans beforehand and council meetings are sort of more swift and decisive. The result of this, surveys show that residents' trust and confidence in the council has dramatically declined. So Wellingtonians are clearly unimpressed.
0: Georgina, to finish things off, you're hosting a weekly podcast updating people on local election news. But what else can people do to make sure they are informed during this period and know what they're voting for?
1: If people can do one thing... I think they should go to a live debate. There are often mayoral debates and ward candidate debates. So you can see these people for yourself. You can hear what they have to say on a range of topics. You'll have the opportunity to ask some questions and maybe mingle at the end. You know, it might take an hour out of one of your evenings, but I really think that is the quickest, most effective way to be informed. And do you know what? You might just find it's actually quite a bit of fun.
0: Thanks for joining us, Georgina. And if you're looking for more information on local elections, local politics, and the big battles out there, be sure to check out On the Tiles Local Edition hosted by Georgina. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look Behind the Headlines.